0: stress.
1: Stress is bad for you. Everyone knows that, right? Stress
0: is a killer. You know that stress makes your hair fall out.
1: Well, workplace stress is as harmful as secondhand
0: smoke. We hear messaging like this all the time about all the ways that stress can really mess us up. And because of this messaging, it kind of does. For most of us when we're feeling really stressed we usually don't make the best decisions we usually don't perform at our best and we definitely don't learn at our best the question is how do we fix this a researcher from harvard business school allison woodbrooks created a survey that actually asked a bunch of people this question imagine that you work in an organization of about 500 employees tomorrow you're scheduled to give a 30 minute keynote speech in front of the whole company, including the CEO and executive board. This makes you feel extremely anxious. What's the best advice to give yourself or someone else in that moment? So they collect all the responses and they start to tally up the results. They found that about 90%, by far the most common response was something like, calm down, don't worry, And all the different ways of saying that, calm down, don't worry, don't be afraid, be fearless. It's no big deal. We've all heard things like this before. We've all said these things before. I would argue that's sort of society's default approach to talking about stress and discomfort. And on paper, that strategy makes a ton of sense. It makes sense because of what I said 90 seconds ago, that stress does hold a lot of power over us. And it makes sense that if we wanna perform better, learn better, make better decisions, we should try to get rid of it. Calm down, don't be afraid, don't stress, don't worry. What we're gonna go through for the next few minutes is the research that shows that is exactly the wrong approach. Welcome to the Learner Lab Podcast. I'm Trevor Reagan. Each episode, we dig into one topic that can help you and your people get better at getting better. This week, we're rethinking stress And we have an awesome guest. I'm
1: Kelly McGonigal. I'm the author of The Upside of Stress, a psychologist and a lecturer at Stanford University.
0: Her book, The Upside of Stress, is the best book that I've read about the topic. In fact, she even taught a course at Stanford, helping students to change the ways that they thought about stress. So she's kind of the dream guest. We're going to work our way together through this topic. I think you're going to find it really, really interesting and most importantly, useful. For both individual applications, this can help you become a better learner, but it's also fantastic information for leaders. The common perception towards stress is it's bad and that because it's bad, when we're feeling it, we should try to stop feeling it. We should try to get rid of it. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay Just type in stress online and you know what I mean. All the TikToks and LinkedIn posts and tweets and courses and books talking about all the reasons that stress is bad and how to get rid of it and how to live a stress-free life. Once you dig into this topic, though, and really look at the actual science and research around stress, you kind of see the flaws in this approach.
1: We will experience stress many times throughout the day in different forms and flavors. And if you believe that stress is always bad for you, it means that there are gonna be many moments throughout the day where you think, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my life? Why am I feeling this in my body? Why can't I handle this? And the mindset that stress is always a signal that either there's something wrong or that you are inadequate to the moment that and what life is asking of you, it leads to some really bad um, coping strategies like avoidance, uh, like dissociation, like taking substances to not be present for your life experience, um, putting off conversations you need to have, procrastinating on actions you need to take, feeling like you can't ask for help because if stress is always bad or it's always a sign that you aren't cut out for this moment, you're more likely to hide it from other people and not use the resources that are available to you, it creates this first and internal state of, like, I can't, I don't want, I'm not enough. And then it also um, can make people focus on trying to feel less stressed or avoid stress rather than figure out how to harness the stress.
0: So I have some good news and bad news. Bad news, we can't really get rid of the stress. But the good news, we can absolutely change the way that it affects us. We can't really change how we feel, but in changing the way we interpret and think about the stress, we can sidestep some of the negative impacts that it usually has on us. So this is really the stress paradox. The way we think about stress can change the way that it affects us. And this can happen in positive and negative ways. Jeremy Jameson did a really interesting experiment at Harvard. So they invite all these students and divide them into two groups. Group one is the control group. So they get no special training or instructions. It's like, here you go. This is the math section of the practice GRE, very difficult exam. And the students complete the, the set of questions and they score a 684 out of 800 on the exam. Group two is the intervention group. And they receive one paragraph of instructions on top of their exam. And this paragraph teaches them to what Jeremy calls reappraise the stress. Reappraise the stress is like a fancy way of saying kind of change how they think about the stress and discomfort itself. This paragraph basically says, hey, feeling Nervous before you take an exam like this is human, is normal, is expected. It's a sign that you care and it's your body kind of responding to the challenge and getting ready for the challenge. So this paragraph didn't say, don't be stressed. It didn't say that it's fun to be stressed, but in a way it gave them permission to feel nervous and stressed. It told them it's okay and useful. These students score a 739. That's a decent bump in performance coming from one paragraph. The amazing thing is, a month later, all the students take the real GRE. They report their scores back to Jeremy, and a similar gap remained. This was one study, one day, one paragraph. A month later, on the real GRE, the students that read the paragraph do better on the exam than the students that did not. This is illustrating what I think to be a really important point with this research. When you make A mindset shift, there are benefits down the road. And I think that's absolutely true about Carol Dweck's growth mindset research, if you think about it. If you can get someone to believe more in their capacity to change and grow and build skills, yeah, that's going to benefit them now, but also next week, next month, next year. This is the same. If we can make a mindset shift around the way we think and talk about stress, there are long-term benefits here. Allie Chrome from Stanford is sort of at the epicenter of stress mindset research, so it's really important that we dig into some of her experiments and studies. In one of her early experiments, she's studying hundreds of people that work at an investment firm. So first she divides them into three groups and all the people are given a stress mindset survey. This determines kind of where they fall on the spectrum of how they think about stress, whether they think it's useful, something that can help them, or something that's debilitating. So they all have this pretest that scores their stress mindset. For one of the groups, she has them watch a series of videos that are really kind of the traditional approach to talking about stress. This is the stress is debilitating group. So the videos talk about the ways that stress can hurt learning, performance, and health. The second group is the control group. They don't watch any videos at all. The third group is what she calls the stress is enhancing group. They watch a series of videos about kind of the benefits of stress, the ways that it can help us perform under pressure, why we feel stressed, and different ways we can utilize it. So all the groups complete their training program, they wait a while, and they're measuring all sorts of things. At the end of the study, they found some big differences between the groups. First, the stress mindset measure. They found the group that went through the stress-enhancing training, their stress mindset actually improved. They saw stress as more valuable. And the group that watched the sort of traditional messaging videos around stress, their stress mindset actually shifted in the other direction. It got worse. The control group saw no major changes in their stress mindset. Then they looked at health. The group that went through the stress-enhancing training, their health symptoms actually dropped significantly. And then they looked at performance. And they found that yeah, the group that actually went through the stress-enhancing training, their performance, their work performance improved over the course of the experiment. On the surface, the results of this study are important. It shows that a short intervention can change people's mindsets towards stress. And that has a positive impact on their health and work performance. But as we dig deeper into the experiment, you start to see some even bigger ideas at play. Maybe the most important was, there was no significant reduction in the stress for any of the participants. Everyone was stressed in what they do. They were working at the same place and facing similar challenges professionally. And going through the intervention didn't necessarily change the amount of stress that they felt. And that is key. These health benefits and improved work performance were not a byproduct of reducing the stress. No, it was the byproduct of changing the way that the people thought about the stress itself. And I can't highlight this enough, how important that idea is. The truth about stress is that we actually don't have much control over exactly how we feel in every moment of our life. Sure, we can get better at regulating our emotions and stress, But they're not light switches that you just turn on and turn off of like, yep, don't be nervous, don't be stressed, boom, I'm done. Of course not. We take the power back from stress not by fighting, suppressing, and denying it. We take the power back by learning to understand it, to accept it, to use it. And by making this mindset shift, we begin to change the way that the stress affects us. The other thing I want to point out with this experiment is it shows the more that we learn about the downsides of stress, the more stressed we become about the stress itself. And this reminded me of a lesson that I learned from Susan David. She was a a guest on season two of our podcast. And she taught us that there's a difference between type one emotions and type two emotions. She said type one emotions are how we feel in response to a, a situation, how we feel before a job interview, asking a question, a tough conversation, even how we feel before a first date. Type 2 emotions are our feelings about our feelings, and those are the ones that can really cause problems. As soon as she taught me that, so many dots connected for me. I can remember when I was younger, before my presentations, before my workshops, I would feel really nervous every time. And I'd be backstage and experience that type 1 emotion. I'm feeling nervous, I'm feeling stressed because I'm about to go out and talk in front of people. But almost every time, I would slide into this type 2 spiral of freaking out that I was freaking out. I was kind of working under this assumption that stress and nerves were bad. That it was a sign of weakness, that I was doing something wrong. I must be stressed right now because I didn't practice enough. Or I'm not smart enough to do this. Or I'm too young to do this. Or I don't belong here. Because if I was older, smarter, better, or more prepared... I wouldn't be stressed. So you see, my perception and mindset towards the stress itself actually made it worse. I'm ashamed that I'm nervous. I'm freaking out that I'm freaking out. And it's all coming from this kind of flawed assumption that it is bad to be stressed. It's bad to be nervous. It's a sign of weakness. Since the day that I learned about this stuff, it has helped me so much. I've given over a thousand different talks now over the last 10 years. But the truth is, I still get nervous every time. Every single time, before, during, and after these presentations, I do feel stressed. But now I know I feel weird before the presentation because I really, really care how it goes. And we don't really know how it's going to go. A simple formula that I hope you never forget. Caring plus uncertainty equals discomfort every time. So yeah, it's actually really straightforward and really easy to never be stressed. Don't care about stuff and don't do things that involve uncertainty. You'll feel great. (laughs) But if our goal is to grow, to connect, to lead, we have to do things that involve uncertainty and we're probably gonna care about those things, which means we're going to feel stressed.
1: The ideal mindset is basically... First of all, it's super pragmatic, not necessarily positive, which is to say life is stressful. People who have meaningful lives experience a lot of stress in part because stress is often a signal of meaning. It's a sign that you care. And this is a moment that matters. And so the goal is not to avoid stress. And uh, I will probably not be able to construct a life for myself that is low stress and also high in the things I care about, like people and learning and contribution and adventure or whatever it is that you care about. So that's the stress paradox, that in moments of stress, you don't want the stress almost always, but you do want the thing, the relationship, the role, the opportunity, the activity that is in some way the source of that stress. And so, you know, taking a mindset that's expansive enough to in moments of stress, understand that, Um, And that, you know, often the stress that you're dealing with, if you can think about why you care, that can help. Or maybe it's thinking about who you care about so that it gives you a sense of this is the time to go connect with them. Or here's a choice I can make that puts that relationship first. So that paradox can also help us navigate stress.
0: One thing that we have to be clear on when we're talking about shifting our mindset towards stress This is not a form of toxic positivity of saying, we have to feel positive. We have to feel perfect. No, it's going to be uncomfortable for most of us to take the math exam, to give a TED talk, to have a tough conversation. So changing the way we think about stress isn't necessarily saying that we're going to feel perfect. It's being open to the discomfort and realizing that just because we're feeling stress doesn't mean we're doing something wrong or that we're on the wrong path. We can't remove the stress and discomfort, but we can change the way we think about it. So go back to type 1 emotions, type 2 emotions. You can't get rid of the type 1 emotion, how we feel in response to these situations, but we can absolutely sidestep that type 2 spiral of shaming ourselves every time that we're stressed. There's a huge difference between I'm stressed because I care and there's uncertainty, and I'm stressed because I'm too young and not smart and don't belong. Not only does shifting our mindset towards stress help with performance, this can be important for the big stuff as well.
1: So Jeremy Jameson's work is great for looking at things like if you're feeling anxiety and your heart rate is increasing, You understand that in reality, your heart rate increases to give you energy, to fuel you. Your heart is trying to help you. So the question is, what if what you're dealing with is grief? What is grief for? That like instead of your heart pounding that feeling of like some black hole vacuum sucking everything into your heart, What? how am I supposed to reappraise that? And there are ways to understand grief as an attempt to stay connected to a loved one as part of how human beings. What motivates us to care for those we love and those we're attached to, it's part of a system of caregiving and meaning. Um, And so I I think that what stays the same is not necessarily, you don't say to yourself, all right, grief is trying to fuel my performance, right? What you you think is you get curious about, I'm feeling something I don't want to feel. There are all sorts of things we can feel, inner experiences that we Don't want and wouldn't necessarily choose, but we're having them because we're human and they are almost always an attempt of our body and brain to, to support us or, you know, to, to help us understand what is important.
0: Three ways of thinking about stress. One, feeling it before a performance that's important to us is a good thing. It is a sign that we care. And it literally is our body getting ready for action. It's mobilized for the challenge. So the increased heart rate, all of these things are good and useful for performance under pressure. Almost all good learning opportunities involve a level of difficulty and uncertainty, which means they're going to cause stress. So the presence of stress when we're talking about learning opportunities is usually a good sign that we're being stretched out of the comfort zone. And when the really hard stuff happens, feeling stressed, of course, is not fun at all. But it's a signpost of our values. It's a signal that we care. It means that we're human.
1: The thing I would really add, I'm so glad you brought in that, that human part because it's, it's this also acknowledging that human beings have a coping strategy that is, we are able to make meaning moving forward, which is not the same thing as saying everything happens for a reason. Uh, but sometimes, you know, people want the latter to be true. And they spend their whole time like thinking like, why, why, why? Or there was a purpose. But the idea that you can make meaning mo- moving forward and that it's a choice, it is a choice that can often save us from a defeat response Where we feel like our lives have been so, so completely contaminated by some trauma or pain or loss or change or even something we did that there's like no option for redemption or meaning or a positive future. And one of these, part of our stress response system is at some point, this desire to make meaning will kick in for most people. And uh, I think that's a really important part of the mindset to recognize that at some point, this is going to be what helps you the desire to look for a way to turn your own stress into a way to contribute or a way to help others or a way to become better at at what you care about.
0: So where are we at? We said stress is a part of all of our lives in big and small ways, and that our mindsets towards the stress can change the way it affects us. The best news here is that we can absolutely Control this. We can make a mindset shift towards stress. Now, to help us do that, I think we're actually in a great spot because Ali Crum has continued to do really important research on the most effective ways of making this mindset shift. And then Kelly McGonigal, she has a bunch of reps under her belt in doing just that. Through the book and her course at Stanford, she's constantly working and iterating on the best ways to make this mindset shift towards stress. So we're going to draw on their expertise in this final section. A few months ago, Ali Crum actually published a big paper about the ways they've improved their stress mindset interventions. And they've shown that you can get a stronger and more lasting effect by presenting the material in a more balanced way. So not just stress is bad or stress is good, no, presenting it to the people kind of like we did today. Stress can be good or bad, but what really determines its effect is our mindset towards it. And then they talk about how powerful mindsets can be, and they help people understand that mindsets are something that can be changed. And then they provide sort of a three-step process to dealing with stress. They call it acknowledging stress, welcoming stress, Utilizing stress. Acknowledging is sort of just admitting and accepting the fact that we are stressed. Welcoming it is understanding that there's value in it. It's preparing us to take action, it's a signpost of our values. And utilizing it is instead of shaming myself for feeling it, I learn to accept and understand it and own it. I realize why it's there, and I can use that to help me connect, take a step in the right direction or find meaning?
1: Something that I will often do in mindset interventions where people have invited me into the space to to think about mindset, stress mindsets, is to ask people about a time in their life that was undeniably stressful, uh, or something that they did in their lives that was undeniably stressful. Um, But it could be a health crisis, it could be a divorce, you know, whatever, it was really stressful. And then to ask yourself things like, what do I appreciate about myself, about how I got through that? Start to acknowledge some of your own strengths. Um, what did I learn from that experience? Uh, did that experience strengthen my relationships or my values or my priorities? And then to think about that experience as a set of resources and insights that you bring with you to every new stressful experience. And so a big part of the mindset of being able to face stress is having this kind of self-trust that is earned through experience. And my guess is that your life and the life of anyone listening to this is full of evidence of your own capacity to learn, to grow, to show up, to get through, to reach out to others. And so, part of a, a good-minded intervention is to look in your life for that evidence. And also, if you are trying to change other people's mindset or pass this mindset on to others, it's to tell stories that reflect that.
0: Another effective strategy is to think about how you would share this with someone else. No need to overcomplicate it. You don't need to do like a 90-minute PowerPoint about stress for someone. The studies actually show us the way. Think about the, the, the studies that we shared short interventions, that paragraph, reminding people that it's okay to be stressed and nervous. We can use a similar strategy when we're sharing this out, giving people permission to feel, reminding them that it's human and normal and expected. Maybe even sharing times that we felt stressed in a similar situation. And maybe my best advice is to treat this as a skill. And just like any skill, We can get better over time with practice. But like any skill, we should start small. So we're not saying like, go home tonight, pick the thing that stresses you out the most and do it tomorrow. No, we can start small and get some reps. Maybe I feel stressed, but I apply for that job. I feel stressed, but I have the tough conversation. As I get those reps of feeling, doing, feeling, doing, I get better at this skill. I strengthen my stress mindset and that can benefit me each and every day.
1: It is about in moments of stress or when your life is stressful, taking an active stance toward your own life that allows you to engage with it more fully and that that has actual biological consequences, whether it's changing what's happening in your immune system so that stress is less harmful. But it also it plays a role in what you're willing to do the way the world sees you, it transforms the outcomes of the stress too.
0: I think this is an essential topic for better learning in leadership. I hope that we laid it out in a way that makes sense. But most importantly, I hope that you put this tool into practice. Big thank you to Kelly McGonigal for the fantastic interview. Go check out her book, The Upside of Stress. We're also going to link to a lot of Allie Crumb's research. I think it's really helped shape Kelly's book, and it's helped the way that I think about this topic. Thank you so much, Allie, for your great, great research. Check out thelearnerlab.com for more resources that can help you and your team get better at getting better. We'll see you next time.